Well, welcome to another week of the Deep Dive, where we are looking at the book of Galatians as we continue our series. We are in week eight, and we're going to be at the end of chapter three and into chapter four this week. Different campuses focused, uh, highlighted different uh, parts of the this book over the last couple of, of weeks. And so uh, we're going to do a few things maybe a little bit differently uh, in this conversation. We're going to dive back into something from last week that we didn't uh, fully cover that I want to hit on. Um, and then, yeah, walk through chapter four a bit. So uh, today, Chris, Terry, you guys are, are here. Thank you for being here with us. Um, I just want to ask before we dive into the text, before we d- dive into this passage, um, this section of Galatians uh, gets a little repetitive, uh, <laughs> <laughs> even mining it and pulling things. Well, what do we want to focus on? Uh, it seems like there's one larger argument that Paul is making that extends you know, multiple chapters, multiple weeks. Uh, what's that been like for you? Well, that's where it's nice to have Ben speak last week. So <laughs> I have a few different uh, voices that are in there. Um, I think it is interesting how he builds his argument. I think it's easy to look at just at it. It's like, oh, it's repetitive. It's grace versus the law, grace versus the law. But how he's building on it and the things that he keeps saying, we're children of the promise, you know, that we have an inheritance. Do we, you know, when things talked about this weekend, do we understand the inheritance that we have, that we have his spirit in us? He keeps putting these other little gems into the same argument that helps us understand more, I think, our relationship with Christ. Yeah, I think there are different elements and aspects and different passages being used in Paul's argument. Mm-hmm. Like as he's, you know, what we might call systematically building the argument. So those different aspects are really fun to look at. Mm-hmm. And also culturally, Um, We need to understand Israel and we need to understand Roman culture, which are two Mm -hmm. uh, very different things that we're holding in tension together as we weave through Paul's arguments. So those are fun to look to as well. And then also, um, you know, when we look at the big story that is the biblical narrative, um, in some ways there's not like a shock ending or gotcha moment or surprise. Like, it's always constantly building towards the promise. So, uh, repetition, I think, is the mother of all learning, Mm -hmm. and we'd be good to embrace it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and Paul, um, we were just talking before we started recording, he's a a master when it comes to uh, rhetoric, when it comes to writing arguments, uh, building an argument, even the letter. Uh, The interesting thing, right? Like, we have a Bible that has verses in it, uh, where we can pull up a, any verse we want and mm-hmm. we can run commentary on it. And in their culture, they had this letter that they would read from start to finish. Yeah. And if you ever, if you don't pull yourself out to look at the whole, you probably miss something. And so, like, I do believe deeply that you can get something out of a single word of scripture. Yeah. But we also, I think, to be faithful readers of the text, we need to be able to put situate that word in context with other words and other paragraphs and ultimately a letter mm-hmm. as a whole and ultimately the, the Bible as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any kind of writing, whether it's epistolary, whether it's a narrative, whether it's a science fiction book, mm-hmm. like if you only read a paragraph or a chapter, uh, your comprehension is going to be severely lacking. Yeah. Well, to start out, um, I want to jump back into the end of chapter three. 
Uh, so we've we've kind of been here now for three weeks, right? With the th- uh, yeah. two weeks ago, uh, some continued to verse twenty five. Yeah, some stopped early. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so the verse I want to look at here, um, this is Paul kind of finishing up his argument where he is. Um, you know, he's speaking to these uh, Gentile Christians who are being um, pressured to uh, take on some of the, the dietary uh, ceremonial laws from the Old Testament, circumcision, etc. And um, he's, he's trying to build up and say, hey, listen, it's always been faith, right? And it's always, it's the gospel is you are in Christ, yeah. right? And so in verse 27, he says this, he says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I I realize we missed a prime opportunity to talk a little bit about baptism. We have baptism coming up at our different campuses Mm -hmm. uh, here next month. And uh, anyway, so I want to, I want to, I want to riff on baptism a little bit. What what is baptism? Who is baptism for? What's Paul even talking about here? Like, is it water baptism? Is it a different type of baptism? We see, you know, baptism of Holy Spirit. We see baptism um, in water. So anyway, what what is baptism? Who should be baptized? <laughs> How should we think about it? Well, but yeah, baptism is an outward sign or display a a covenant of grace you know it's an opportunity to receive god's grace of what's happened on the inward self so dead to the old life raised to a new life and so baptism going down in the water and being raised into up up out of the water is kind of baptized into death and then into the the new life so i think that's what paul is talking about here's talking about what they had done which is a picture of what's happened on the inside when the holy spirit Uh, comes within. And, uh, you know, Paul does kind of use these phrases about in Christ or formed in Christ. He he adds some of these throughout the book. And it's talking about when we do that, when we experience that we are brand new, Christ is is in us, but we've put on Christ. He's going to talk about that a little more at the end of the book. Um, But that we are living now for in Christ. That's what's changed us, not all the rules or the traditions. or the rituals that people were doing. Yeah, and culturally for us, we live in a unique time and place where baptism could be a cultural or a familial um, practice, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially without legitimate regeneration of the heart, um, because there's at times currency when you say regeneration of the heart what do you you mean by that yeah so the so the baptism of the spirit Mm -hmm. is um uh, god bringing us into the covenant through the regeneration of our hearts which is bringing us adopting us bringing us into the family right so like we aren't naturally predisposed to love god and love people right like we've said we don't really want you we don't want your stuff Mm -hmm. um but then at the moment of salvation, we actually pivot back to, oh, we have a creator, a good father, mm-hmm. and a perfect older brother in Jesus that has actually made it possible for us to be mm-hmm. in the family. Mm-hmm. So Even, that's the, the baptism of the spirit. Yeah. And then the, the water baptism is a sign of the covenant and the reality of the regenerated heart. Yeah. Evangelicalism, we love, you know, John 3 when Nicodemus and Jesus are talking, you know, the, the rebirth metaphor there, um, I think is what you're getting at. I, yeah. So a question here, uh, and I think it's fitting to talk about in the context of Galatians. I'm not sure that Paul is really going there in verse 27, but maybe he is. Um, the connection between baptism yeah. and circumcision. Yes. 
What do you want? That's my question. What is the connection? <laughs> yes. What is the connection um, for for us as Christians who live New Testament, you know, out uh, other side of the cross? Yeah. Yeah. What do we make of those? So what I would say, and there are uh, plenty of theologians that would disagree with this, so <laughs> yeah. I'm just like putting that out there. Yeah. Um, I would say in the Old Testament, there's a physical sign of the covenant, which is circumcision. And then I would say, um, when we see the new covenant in the New Testament, a circumcision is no longer the sign mm -hmm. of the covenant, right? Because now um, the promise has been fulfilled to the nations and um, culturally and, and everything else, it, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, now water baptism it is now the, the physical sign of the inward reality. It, water baptism is now the new sign of the covenant that circumcision was. was yes great terry yeah, no, I, I would, anything? Uh, yeah no i wouldn't ditto disagree <laughs> yeah no i think that's yeah. exactly what it is i think sometimes uh, to go down another rabbit hole is you know circumcision was done on infants and babies does baptism yeah uh and there are some people some good Christians who would say it, anybody who is baptized, that's a sign of the covenant or and others would say you have to have that inward regeneration first. Yeah. If it's a sign of the inner regeneration, that has to happen first. Yeah. Even within our own tradition, right? Our own, uh, our own tribe of evangelicalism, the right. free, um, there is room for different, I don't know of any free churches that do yeah, I don't know. infant baptism, but I know there are. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think, you know, we not get around it, but we want to both honor what mm -hmm. infant baptism is. Um, we do child dedication, mm -hmm. um, yeah. family dedication, uh, but then also we, we, with the hope that one day um, a child will express a, an inward conviction yeah. of right. their own um, yeah. and, right. and, and follow in baptism. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's great. Um, all right. So in chapter four, uh, again, I know that uh, St. Charles, you guys hit the first few verses of chapter four last week. And uh, here at Mid Rivers, we went um, a little more this week. Yeah, 120 yeah. this week. And so uh, there's just a few things I want to kind of hit on in this chapter. But if there's anything else that, that comes to your mind that you want to talk about, please uh, interrupt me. Um, so in verse four, Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, lots to unpack mm -hmm. right there. Um, starting with when the fullness of time had come. What's, what's going on there? Why is Paul using that expression? Well, I think if we go back to kind of the idea that the law is many things, the law is a mirror, the law is some railroad tracks, and the law is a guardian who's to help mature us to understand um, faith and life and self and sin when Christ comes that the, the guardian was in place so that a child who had an inheritance was ready to receive the inheritance at the fullness of time when the father said they could have it or you know at what age the will said you could have it. So to be ready for that. So I think what Paul is saying is in the fullness of time, God had given the law to Moses as a guardian to get us ready for when we, humanity, and, and the world was ready, to, ready to receive it, to receive it. And so it was the time when Jesus came 2000 years ago, the fullness of time, you know, is that the world was ready. People had an understanding of sin. They realized they couldn't do anything themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the world was prepared with a 
kind of more global language, mm-hmm. mail system, roads. roads, everything else to kind of help with the quick spread of the gospel. Yeah, that wouldn't so, have happened years before. Yeah, and it's fascinating for us, right? Living on this side of history, being able to look back and say, oh, because of this and this and this and this, it was the appropriate time. Whereas yeah. maybe for those who were as, you know, so close in proximity to it, it w- they look at the everything that built up to it. I, I don't know. There's just like yeah. that interesting, you know, perspective that history uh, and time give us. Um, adoption as sons. So last week in our deep dive, we talked quite a bit about that as a just a theological concept. Adoption, um, even situating adoption in th- that place in the Roman world. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to ask you guys about sonship here. There's a lot of one masculine mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, language yeah. verbiage, um, but also uh, and I don't know if you guys want to go much into this, but the the Old Testament motif of Israel as God's son as a description. Um, so anyway, yeah, anything there that you guys want to want to hit? Well, I'll tackle the the masculine, and you can do the uh, you can do the <laughs> other. Um, so I, I, you know, one of the challenges reading through, particularly, is some places the New Testament uses humankind, mankind to mean both men and women. Sometimes it uses men, sometimes it uses women. So here it is a problem. It's like, okay, he said there's no male, female, we're all in Christ first, but now we're adopted as sons. It doesn't say we're adopted as children, we're adopted as sons. And I think in our culture, it certainly looks discriminatory. Like, yeah. why is that? Is like, why are we leaving females out? I think, as we talked earlier, we have to go back and understand the culture and, and the word. That women in that culture were nothing, didn't have a guardian, could not have an inheritance. So, got nothing. Um, so, what Paul is saying here is, sons got everything, the men got everything. He's not saying only the men become sons. He's writing to the whole church. All of you can become sons. So, even sons though in the cultural, in the cultural, cultural sense understanding, that you are someone. You have an inheritance. You get something. You are not a nobody. So, you know, I think we sometimes have to go back and hear it as women who, for the very first time, Paul is saying, wait a minute, you count, you have value. God sees you. He's got a plan. He's been working to prepare you to receive an inheritance that's amazing, that the world says you have no right to have, but the Father says you have it because of Jesus. So it actually kind of elevates, it's like, because only sons got, it's like you as women, both men and women, you have something that's valuable. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And it's interesting, right? Because I, again, this is where our point in history and our own cultural uh, stories and conversations um, makes it difficult sometimes looking back on the Old Testament. We, we look at, or not the Old Testament, the Bible as a whole, we yeah. look at this thing and we say, oh, well, this is antiquated this is anti-women uh, anti yeah. all of these things and yet paul presents a just a radical um, message of inclusion uh for at that time would be anything but right. anti right? right it would be however in verse 12 paul says brothers i entreat you become as i am so he uses that masculine word again there, brothers. How do those two things connect? Well, that's good. I got to go back to the Greek. and I don't recall if it's brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, my guess might be, I'm just going to talk, my guess might be that 
he's talking, um, particularly even those who are maybe teaching or leaders in this kind of movement to go back to the law, which probably were more men as opposed to women. So that those who were responsible leading teaching at that time, it's like, Hey, wait a minute. We're brothers. Like we're connected spiritually because of Christ. We're adopted together. Don't do that. Yeah. It's also important to remember that the Judaizers are targeting who Mm. men to be circumcised, to be circumcised. Um, which, which wouldn't obviously apply to women. Now there is a note that says brothers or, you know, ancestors, (laughs) you know, there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, That's what I have to go back and see, you know, sometimes it does say both. It means both. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we look at the family dynamic, really there's two people that define the entire family. There's the good and loving, gracious father, Mm -hmm. and there's the perfect and obedient foremost brother, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and, and out of those two flow the entire identity for the whole family Mm -hmm. unit in which all of us as brothers and sisters are then engrafted into. Yeah. And it's probably really, and it's, again, this is one of those things that's hard for us because we live in a a society, a culture, a world that is so individualized where identity is in the individual. Whereas in first century, you know, ancient Near East, their um, identity was wrapped up in the group. And that group was almost always identified by who was the head, the father, the husband, um, the the older son who then moves into that role. And so I do think that is important to to remember as we read um, the New Testament, it was written to a people who have a different uh, set of cultural norms than, than we do. I think it's always healthy too, just to name our own arrogance. Yeah. Like every generation to ever walk the face of the earth has looked back at prior and said, you know, wow, I'm glad we're not them. They had nothing figured out. Yeah. Now we do. Yeah. I mean, this is why the Romans called other people barbarians mm-hmm. because they saw them as living a substandard life and values. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think it's good too when we're reading into the ancient text to actually work with the assumption of, of reading the text in the moment it's written yep. rather than holding it captive uh, by the chains of our Western eyes. Yeah. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. good. That's so good. Um, okay. So verse eight, Paul continues, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. I love what he's doing here. He's speaking again to Jew, to Gentile Christians who are being pressured to take on the the cultural and religious norms of the Jewish Christians. And he's going to essentially, um, essentially say, if you enslave yourself to the law, which you've never been under, he's going to equate that as a return to paganism right. for the Gentiles. Um, but, but now... Which that is you, the same work, salvation, right? You're trying to do something. Yes. Uh, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. So, Chris, when we were talking uh, before, you said... This, this phrase, elementary principles of the world, like yeah. that stands out to you. Yeah, because it's, it's less circumstantial and it's much more about the under the sun reality of a fallen and broken world, mm-hmm. right? So for Israel, when they leave Egypt at the Exodus, 
it's not like all their problems are instantly solved. Yeah. They get three blocks away and say, oh, you know what? Actually, it's kind of nice back there. Can we go back? Yeah. Um, so the human heart is actually broken in, in, in the broken world that we live in, um, to, you know, independent of the, the circumstance. And so these elementary principles aren't just, oh, you were enslaved to eat to Egypt at this one point mm-hmm. or to a Gentile mm-hmm. audience. Oh, you were enslaved to this, you know, particular idol in the Pantheon at one point. It's like, no, we are all in this together, enslaved to our brokenness and we need something greater than ourselves. Mm. That's yeah. good. That's really good. Cool. Um, all right. So then the last thing we got a few minutes here, uh, verses 12 through 20, there is a, uh, a theme that at least resonates with me. You have Paul, uh, he says, I entreat you, become as I am. And in verse 19, he describes uh, those as his little children. There seems to be something here, a, a relationship that Paul has with them. Um, can you guys unpack that a little bit? Well, it is a very, very personal section and probably one of the more personal sections of all Paul's writing where he's talking about being with them and what he felt. Obviously, as we said, he was uh, some ailment or something. He was trying to recover. They nursed him back to health. They really cared for them. They had a great love for him. I think Paul, again, is contrasting that to the disdain that the Judaizers have for Paul and trying to get them away from Paul. Um, and, and Paul is really using kind of an issue. He's a become as I am. He's, he's a person of faith. He's not as the law. Um, and they're going back to what he used to be mm-hmm. as a Jew. He said, become as I am. Cause I've also come to you. I've been with you. You've seen me. I've been honest. And I think part of what Paul here is contrasting the Judaizers with his own ministry and, the Judaizers are getting people for themselves. It's like they wanted notches in their spiritual belt. He said, I'm just really here. So Christ is formed in you. I'm, I'm here for a greater purpose. And I hope you've seen, seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great reminder, kind of piggybacking off that. When Paul writes to the Galatians, uh, he is not a theologian or a philosopher who has lost an argument. Mm-hmm. He is a father whose sons and daughters have left the house mm. and are prodigal. Mm. So it's, pers- it's personal. It's very personal. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm always struck by, and I don't know if this is you know, me in a pastoral position, and it's a really odd thing to uh, get the privilege to speak with authority over you know mm-hmm. or into someone else because that's that's the role that teachers have is is to speak with the authority of the bible with the authority of god um that's something that i think we need to handle very carefully um uh, with a lot of humility um but for paul and this isn't just in in galatians he does this in philippians too as well he he essentially uh, encourages those um, to imitate him and to follow his example. And as a, as a pastor, I find that hard to do because essentially I'm saying, hey, I've got this together. or I have an, a certain idea of how um, you should live in this situation because of this truth. And I don't know, I guess just with these last couple of minutes, I would love to hear from, from y'all. Like, how do you, how do you uh, handle that 
that tension, that responsibility. Um, because I know for me, that's one of the, the greatest challenges I have is like, well, who am I to speak into your life with, with this? And yet Paul, I mean, obviously, again, he's an apostle. <laughs> he has had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Um, he has been inspired to write what we have as scripture. Um, so he is, a, he is in a category that's different than us, but at the same time, not completely different. So, yeah, I, you know, I think years and years ago that the ideal was that was the pastor. The pastor was way far ahead on the road of spirituality and you were to model him and he had done everything right. Uh, that doesn't work today because it's not true. You know, I think we're, I'm, we're not Paul. None of us are Paul. Um, and I think part of modeling is just being honest. Hopefully we're somewhat honest about, yeah, our own challenges. Like I, yeah, there's things like, yeah, don't follow me in that. I haven't got that done. I think that's part of what people can follow. Hopefully they follow authenticity and realness and say, okay, we're struggling and we're honest. Um, I think too, it, it speaks to the motivation as Paul does. He says, it's the desires Christ formed in people. And I think that's the pastor's heart and the desire that Christ would really be formed and people would see Christ in them and others would see Christ in them. And that we, we would allow Christ to be formed in us, even in the midst of our mistakes uh, and that others would see that too. Yeah. I think, I think it is hard as a, there's the paradox of Paul of follow me as I follow Christ. And then he also says things like I'm the worst among yeah. sinners. Yeah. You know, there's this paradox. Yeah. Um, just thinking back to last Sunday, like I preached with blisters on my feet <laughs> and with coffee breath, uh, with a receding hairline. And on my way out the door that day, I couldn't find my keys. Mm. Um, and yet God can make even the rocks cry out. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to trust that in all of my foolishness and imperfections, if I'm at least stumbling towards the cross, right? Like that's, that's where the direction is aimed. Um, then I think as someone who is a, you know, I'll use the language of God talker, someone who is a God talker, I think can confidently say, hey, we're pretty banged up, but like, let's go at it together. Like let's, yeah. let's, let's run mm -hmm. in this direction together. Um, with the complete understanding, like you were saying earlier, the communal aspect of like, we've all got to be limping and hobbling in that together. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That we're in, someone's not far down the road and everybody's huffing and puffing to catch up, but we're all on this journey together and we're linking arms and we're helping each other and carrying each other and encouraging each other to get there. Yeah. We're, we're all crying out the same thing. I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Like we're all there, mm -hmm. every single one of us. That's good. And keeping all of that in tangent, keeping all of that, um, I think approaching scripture with open hands, open hearts, open minds, mm -hmm. um, and not pretending to be something right. other than what we, what we are. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Well, thank you guys. It's been a good conversation. Appreciate your vulnerability, honesty uh, there. And uh, just I, I, every week um, I'm encouraged by these conversations. So I hope that uh, our listeners are as well. Um, you can find this resource and more for our Galatians series on our website, calvary.church slash Galatians. Also, uh, it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Invite you to subscribe or follow uh, wherever you listen so that you will uh, never miss out on new content um, and YouTube as well. 
well. And we will catch you again next week. Go in grace and peace. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.